Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Ghibliotech the podcast that puts the Ross in Porco Rosso. I'm Michael Leader, and I've seen every film in the Ghibli canon. And I'm Jake Cunningham, and I'm watching them all for the very first time. So join us on our quest into the glorious world of Studio Ghibli. So Jake... This is a special episode, isn't it? To bring back the series. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, it's, it's lovely to be back and delving further into these films. We would normally do a, a film every week and delve into a bit of its history, its context, uh, and then and my reactions to watching it for the first time. But we thought we'd start with something special. Um, and we've, we've often talked about the special relationships that these films can create. Exactly. We've spoken before about those special relationships, watching these films with parents, sharing them with children, with Jen. Michaels and their Jakes. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I have a young son who's approaching six months old. I think he's still a little bit young for some of these films, even though he has sat on my lap asleep whilst watching half the films we've covered so far. So, what we'll do to address this, we have special guests this week. We have daughter and father. We're thrilled to welcome into the dusty stacks of the Ghibliotech, Honey Ross and her father, Jonathan Ross. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much for coming to talk about these uh, films, guys. Uh, I think the, the easiest place to start uh, and is how I got into this was My Neighbor Totoro. So uh, what was the first Ghibli film that you both saw? Oh, that's a really good question. I think my first Ghibli film was Spirited Away in the context that we had gone to Japan and watched it in a screening at Miyazaki's like studio so very niche i mean it's hardly like oh you know just one of those days i think, um, <laughs> I think you can now drop the mic after that, yeah, that was so your i'm first gonna Ghibli. go i've won this round by yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah that and that was because we were out there because i was making a television show for the bbc called um um japanorama and i had been a long a long time miyazaki fan and we were thrilled when we knew he had a new movie coming out and it turned out to be i think one of his greatest of course but we didn't know in advance, and uh, he allowed us to see this, and they'd only just put the English subtitles on it. And even though we all have a tiny bit of uh, pidgin Japanese, sukashi, wakarimasu, mamada, josu, jarimasen, not enough to follow a movie. So um, I also don't have you. any pidgin. I have no Japanese. <laughs> you do have a lot, but you were tiny then, of course, and you were too young to read. I'm also you? really dyslexic, so I was like, too, maybe like I'm like, oh, I was too young to read, but also like I just couldn't read for. Sh- Wait, sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. But so my mum had to whisper the subtitles into my ear. So she was watching the film and then being like... But it was... <laughs> that, that was terribly jeal- um, sort of um, uh, selfish for me because I said to her, look, I have to watch this for word, darling, so you're going to have to read it, honey. Okay? And, and I'm going to sit over there and not be disturbed. <laughs> but, but, what your brain must have been trying to process at that point as your mum is whispering to you, and there seems to be a man with no face who's just getting bigger and bigger <laughs> and he's just eating yeah, and eating. and the kind of, you know, smelly river monster. I mean, like, yeah, that was a, it was very overwhelming. But, but a also, lot of it doesn't really make sense oh, anyway, no. in a way. You know what I mean? It's like that wonderful, <laughs> magical fantasy. So in a way, actually, knowing the actual details of what's being said, oh, now they've turned the baby into a 
sort of rat or whatever it is. My brain didn't even register what you were just saying. I was like, that doesn't happen. Then I was like, yeah. oh no, it doesn't. First of all, giant baby, then tiny mouse baby, <laughs> then bouncing heads. It's like, none of this makes any sense. So you just, just go along with it, visually. But let me tell you my first one because it, it might be quite interesting in terms of just um, historically the kind of struggle I think that um, films, Asian cinema had making headway into the US and UK market is none of them, I believe, had been released over here properly uh, when I first got to know. This was in the days before DVD as well. Mm -hmm. And I had a friend who was a film critic in New York and he started sending me kung fu movies that I was very into martial arts movies and the more interesting ones, not, I mean, I like all the basic ones, but films that were being made out, coming out of Hong Kong by directors like Chui Hark, John Woo, these directors at that time, which you couldn't really get out of and they weren't being shown at cinemas, even kind of like niche cinemas weren't showing them. Uh, and he sent me, he said, I've just discovered this cartoon. You won't believe it's amazing. He said, don't be put off by the title. I said, okay. So he used to send me these VHSs and I had an American standard video player so you could play on, which once again was very unusual back then. And we're talking about this is probably about 86, 87. Um, and he sent me um, Naushka, Valley of the Wind. But he said, it's a film called Norsia, <laughs> Flight of the Girls. <laughs> we didn't know it was cool. And I said, okay, that, this sounds... Terrible. I didn't know what I was doing. And I saw it, and it's still that's one of my favourites because it's such a remarkable, such a surprising movie. I, I was asked to put on a, a, a kind of week of my favourite films at the Barbican a while ago, and I, one of my selected was Nausicaa just because I hadn't seen it on the big screen. So to see it on the big screen was amazing. So I discovered it via that, a kind of network of kind of like cineasts and weird fans who knew where you could get this stuff. Once again, you couldn't buy it. I mean, I don't think anyone had a, a Western release of those things. And so that's when I first got into it. And so I saw that, and then I got hold of Porco Rosso when that came out on Laserdisc. We're talking about that. It's like the house of dead technology here, which, are, which still is a movie which kind of like confuses me, frankly, even though I love it. Um, and so I, I kind of fell in love with it. And then I was actually quite relieved when, when uh, Ghibli and Miyazaki started making like, films which made a tiny bit more sense. <laughs> I mean, still, why is he a pig? Uh, it doesn't matter. He, he is a pig and he loves adventure and he loves I flying. Love, this and that's is all the Porco we need. Rosso apologist over here. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. 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 It's your favourite I, so I mean, far. it is. It's I think a... it's meant to be because he's so disgusted with mankind mm -hmm. that he's turned his back. Better to be a pig than a fascist, I exactly. believe, is the key line exactly. in that film. So yeah, so you you were getting into these films maybe a decade before they were being released over here. We've heard stories, it was before my time, where they would be shown at the Barbican ICA, like these anime nights. films in yeah. the late 80s, early 90s. It must have been tricky to even get a sense of what these films I, I were. I never saw one on the big screen. I never mm -hmm. saw one on the big screen. Because I was also just, I was just generally, I mean, I was, and, and it, I, I don't want to make some claim that I was someone who just saw this and fell in love with this. I was always looking for unusual cinema. I was always looking for stuff that couldn't be easily found. So I'd get stuff sent out to me like Urotsuka Doji, mm -hmm. you know, uh, mm -hmm. the tentacle movie and that Wandering Kid, I think it was called. So those kind of movies. So, and in a way, I didn't necessarily know what was a Ghibli film, what wasn't, because once again, they were often very, they were like second or third generation mm -hmm. video copies. Um, but I, I knew that I wanted to see more of it. So I kind of fell in love with anime rather than Ghibli first. Uh, and I was kind of trying to champion that. And, try, and I did a show, very early show, before I did... Um, Japanorama, I did a show for the BBC just about anime. Right. Which I haven't seen for years. Where we went out, <laughs> and, I think, and I think Porco Rosso was probably the latest of the movies that, that, that Shubi had had out so when we filmed that. Mm -hmm. So I went out, and we mainly focused on things like Akira and, and stuff like that, which, was, which did get a, a relatively large release. And by that time, DVD had happened. Mm -hmm. And there was that uh, manga line yeah. that came out and was bringing out a lot of good mm -hmm. stuff and, and dubbing and subtitling a lot of stuff. So over, over, even though, like you purists, I'm sure, we both we don't agree with the, um, the dubbing. Yeah, we'd rather not dub. <laughs> I, I've never seen a dubbed one. We've, we've, we've kept it pure for yeah. this one. Yeah. I'm quite fond of the Spirited Away dub. Like, I kind of love... Well, they're like, ours. Haku's a dragon? Oh, but you haven't seen it. Like, I love it so much. It just, like, because it was my childhood. What is it? A soot baby? <laughs> it is kind of peculiar. But a friend of ours adapted one because we're friends with Name Dropping Terrier, but we're very close friends, our whole family, with Neil Gaiman. Mm -hmm. And he was involved in, I think, for Princess Mononoke. Yeah, he, he, was, did yeah, the he was. And he said that Miyazaki, he told us... Yeah, he did that. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, you've gone off him now. Um, <laughs> and he uh, he said Miyazaki, and this is probably a well-told story, Miyazaki, when it was bought by, I can't remember what company bought it, it might have been Fox or someone in the States bought it. Um, and when they were going to do the subtitle, Miyazaki sent them a present, which was a samurai sword. <laughs> kind of like a veiled threat as to what, what would come their way if they messed up the dub. But of course, the best way to see it is, you know, in the Japanese region. 
It really is. And that's how you saw this, honey, with, with Spirited Away. Did that kickstart an interest in these films? Of course, you were maybe very small at this point. Oh my God, I was re- absolutely transfixed. Yeah. I mean, it started a love affair. Like, Because yeah. these were my, you know, obviously I, I was very lucky growing up in kind of like a good golden age of animation anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I had all the Disney films in the 90s, which were like, great. But finding Ghibli was like finding a kind of secret world of film that also like none of my friends knew about it. It was like, I was really young. And I remember after that, we watched My Neighbor Totoro and I was like, right, that's it. That's the best thing. And I've got an older sister. Kiki you guys loved, didn't you? I loved loved Kiki's delivery service. Well, because also one thing I loved was there were such interesting dynamic female characters. Like I think I couldn't verbalize that at the time because I was a child. But um I was really glad that I had these kind of really interesting women who were kind of flawed and strange and a bit angsty. And like, I feel like that really helped me growing up. I was like, oh, okay. Like, it's okay to have a weird relationship with your sister, like in Totoro or like... What's interesting with that is, and, and I hadn't realised it until he pointed out, I asked Miyazaki um, about the the kind of beginnings of um, Spirited Earth Away, which I think, is it Sen Tochihiro in, in it's, yeah. Japanese? It's about her changing her name. Uh, yeah. yeah across and the, across he said the, um, the reason why he... The, the, the nugget that started the film in his mind was he went to visit family. Mm. I don't know how well known this story is. And... and one of his kind of nieces or something was about 10 or 9, and he realised there were no films for girls of that age in which they were the kind of main protagonist. He just, he, and it was kind of lacking. And, and so he thought, I'm, I'm going to go away and create a story for her, really. Oh, that's and so, so and that's beautiful. That's so fascinating, but he realised it's, it's such a kind of gripping thing. And, it's so, <clears throat> and, and, you know, it could quite easily have been a boy in that role, I guess. But the fact is, girl, it does kind of land more poignantly on you that she's been wrested away from her friends and her family and like her whole life is changing and she's so sad in the well, back of the it's car. It's like that weird, like she's on that cusp right before puberty where you're kind of like, where do I fit into the world? Like I'm not a woman yet, but I'm also not a child. And it's that kind of whole, I don't know, you feel very lost. It's a completely liminal space. And I think that is so what the film is about. It's all about, this is a literal liminal space mm-hmm. where the dead are alive and spirits and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know, it's really magical. And I think it captures that feeling of kind of like, I'm 11 and I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but what's so brilliant as well is because it's all seen from her point of view. So yeah. in a way, and you know, I think the cinema does deserve, and it is to an extent, should be appraised as much with any kind of great cinema. It's like Truffaut's movie, Quatre Sans where it's seen very much, and the camera is even, and Otsu's movies, where mm-hmm. the camera is at the level of people because they're singing. This, once again, is very clearly and very cleverly all focused from that point of view. But one thing I should say about Spirit of the Way, which I think Honey will enjoy sharing I was with you. About to <laughs> okay. I, I think we both are know we both exactly what you're going to say. Yeah, I'm sure. I hate going to restaurants with my parents and seeing Spruce well, away. No, that's not true. I love going to restaurants with you. I think it was when I was younger and I was like a bit like, Ugh. and especially in the dub, I always vividly remembered when they get turned into pigs at the restaurant, I was like, that's my parents. I was like, oh my God, that's... So it's become a joke we yeah, go to restaurants because, now. But because in, in the, the dub, dub it yeah. goes, don't worry, baby, daddy's got cash and credit cards. And he's going like... Oh, like and they're sorry, just that's eating, like horrible eating. Into the mic. And they said that's, was that, that's we what they said like, was oh me God. and my wife, their mother and father, <laughs> were these two unrestrained piggish humans. No question coffee. that would happen but to But we you. do know it's become a family joke. Whenever we go to restaurants, almost without doubt, someone will say, don't worry, honey, dad's got cash and credit cards. <laughs> <laughs> that is wonderful. Oh. I'm going to say that to you when you take me out to lunch, Michael. <laughs> I don't like this father figure that you're, you're creating for me here. Now, Jonathan, you've mentioned this, this visit to Japan where you interview Miyazaki. I think one of the very few British broadcasters who even interviewed him on camera. I remember Japanorama as a sort of teenager into these films at the time. It was so unique that there was someone covering these films on TV. Well, I mean, the weird thing is, you know, and it's silly having regrets, I always look back and everything, I wish I'd done a better job, and I wish I had done a better job, because I think we had a very rare opportunity, which we didn't appreciate, but we were on an incredibly tight schedule. We were doing, like, five, six interviews a day to try and make the show on budget. That day we did less, but we had to film a lot, and we were given permission to film in the Studio Ghibli kind of attraction, which is really weird. Uh, which we, which we, and frankly, I'll be honest, we abused that privilege somewhat, because <laughs> uh, uh, I think it comes directly from Miyazaki that they don't want... Because, the, you know, there is the tendency, there is the belief that a lot of, in particular Japanese families, but modern families, see their children's life through the lens of a camera rather than participate in the experience. So uh, Miyazaki had banned people from taking photographs and shooting video mm-hmm. in there. So it's like basically come here and enjoy the experience together. 
but only have the experience. Don't go home and look at a load of photographs. Don't worry about framing the experience that way. And of course, I thought, isn't that marvellous? But because I had permission, of course I didn't. Of course, I went there and filmed everything. And I was just taking, get back in the cat bus. Kids, get in the cat bus. Oh, no, but throw, throw another football at you. Just time. get, no, no, get touch out of the way. Just bend down there. I wanted to, it was kind of that. But it's we did amazing. Have a you can time. sit inside the cat bus. Have and you it's been there? Full of, no. have you been, we have. Oh, that's that's oh. the big dream that eventually the podcast will take. Oh, you've got there. to go there. The weird thing is, you know, it's you can't buy tickets there. Mm. It's so weird, you know, so kind of not the, the Western way. You have to buy tickets at sort of designated ticket kiosk box elsewhere in the city. Yeah, it's not, even nearby. yeah it's not even <laughs> it's near. Really it's not even. not even one nearby. So don't turn up randomly. But there's like a huge furry cat bus you can get inside. I mean, and also I had just seen the film and sat inside the cat bus and it was full of footballs and you're just it's like you throwing them. them and you get on top of the bus. And what's the big robot guy from? Is that from um, uh, Castle in the Sky? Castle in the yeah. Sky. Yeah, he's on the roof. Oh. And he's, and he's about 20, huge. 30 feet high on the roof. Oh, and he's it's all covered just, in moss. And mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. beautiful. It's like a childhood dream. It's incredible. And there's incredible. a cinema downstairs where they show a short, which at one time, I don't know if it's now been released, but one time you could only see it there. They never release those shorts oh, yeah, outside okay. of the museum. Yeah, You've amazing. got to go there. And that's something. And they don't tell you which one's playing because there's three that are on rotation. We saw one with a whale, I think. Right. Well, they they made they made a, a sequel to Totoro, like a short film. They only show at the museum. Wow. We might have seen that as well. I can't. No one getting old. I might. I think we might. Have seen well, also there's the thing of this is. I remember mum. My mum took advantage of this. Sounds like mum, our mother, our collective mother. She took advantage of this thing, which was, she, um, Miyazaki doesn't let anyone who's an adult into his office. Oh yeah. And so. We were allowed to go. He took us into his office, me, my brother, and sister. Oh, we did. Yeah. And mum and dad were like, because obviously, because of the show, the documentary, we have to come. I'm so sorry. And he was like, okay. And so, like, we all went. I think I did the interview in there. And, you know, because, you know, his father was, uh, was a pilot, mm. I believe. And so he had his very sparse office. I think you can see it on the tape. But he had um, one beautiful model, you know, and you know the way. Japanese people tend to respect craftsmanship very much. And you could see just how exquisitely this was made. There were only two kind of personal effects things I saw in the room. One was this beautiful model of a World War II plane. Beautiful. And the other thing was a beautifully detailed illustration, painting illustration by Goro, his son. The end all that he showed me. And that was it. And everything else there was quite functional. I mean, quite beautiful, but very functional. Mm-hmm. Did you get a sense of his personality? Because his, his films, he comes across as quite a, a father figure. He, he wants to inspire these future generations of, of young people, but he's not a personal filmmaker. Did you get a sense when you spoke to him? I would disagree with that. I think his philosophy is quite apparent in, mm-hmm. in, in his films, to be honest with you, and, and in every aspect of his work and life. I mean, that thing I said about not wanting people to take photographs in the museum, mm. but also I think there's certainly uh, in his films you would see, and I believe this is something that's important to him, a connection to nature, a connection mm. to the natural, all of things, even going right back. I don't know, have you, have you guys seen Future Boy Conan? No. Yes, I have, yeah, okay, yeah. So Future Boy Conan, mm-hmm. even in that, which I know he wasn't the prime creator mm-hmm. of, but you can see there's a feeling in that. And I think also, I mean, I've read a, a couple of books. There's one book by him, Mm-hmm. And then Helen McCarthy's written some very good yeah. journalism on him. She was she was instrumental in seeing her work in, in turning me on to all of this. But you get the feeling that there's a kind of um, just a, a feeling in his work and and uh, sort of developed as an idea in the work as well as just the way he approaches making it, which is this thing like you know do whatever you can to the best of your ability and be in the moment mm-hmm. and and create something worthwhile, even if it's an experience or a moment. And I think you find that. In most of his things, you know, it really is like, you know, just be there. Just be there and, and do it as well as you can. And I know that his early animation, I've read him talking about this, you know, he said it, it didn't matter whether he was in charge or not, it didn't matter whether he had necessarily an affinity with the subject matter, he just wanted to do it to the best of his ability at that time. And that's what everyone should do. Well, it's even, even the, the small daily tasks in his films are almost as magical as a bathhouse. It's just this idea of cleaning or cooking. Well, it's you look at Ponyo as well. when, yeah. when they're just drinking the soup and that mm. wonderful, beautiful sequence there. And you think, that really is, that's kind of like, be in this moment and look at the beauty in this moment and experience the moment rather than be thinking about what I'm doing next or treat it as a chore or treat it as a, just kind of a necessary physical need. I always think of the magic of, like, the scene of them cleaning the house in Totoro and, like, also them making the food, like, the love and beauty of the food and how, like, inviting and magical it is. It just... Oh, it just makes me, like, gives me shivers. It's so special. Yeah. Um, we, we mentioned mostly Miyazaki stuff here. Uh, and we talk, have to go through all of these films, so we get into a lot of deep cuts. Michael's 
number one film uh, is Whisper of the Heart, which is neither Miyazaki or Takahashi. Is that the weird cat guy? Uh, he's yeah. in it, but it's, it's mainly the story about the young girl who's writing stories and the cat guy's in that. Yeah, I have seen it. I can't remember that clearly. Oh, almost. it's a terrific movie. I think we watched, I, I remember we had like a big weird box set and I remember watching it when I was like... Yeah, we had a Japanese language only with no yeah. subtitle box uh, set that we bought back. Which I've got <laughs> here in this office somewhere. Right. Um, I've still got it. Um, yeah, and it was hard to follow, wasn't it? Yeah, and also that was when we watched Pompoko. But isn't it weird that... Uh, Pompoko you've died. mentioned Pompoko now. We've got I to address it. I love Pompoko. Who does Pompoko? also such an amazing, um, right, yeah. amazing message of like environmentalism. It's incredible, so ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. But also terrifying. <laughs> Again, I think we had it in the dub, which was the bit with the, like, I have no face. And it was like, I remember just being like haunted, yeah. absolutely haunted by that. Well, that's the sequence that I think we, we described almost like um, like a 60s or 70s horror manga where it's these yeah. ghosts coming out and their right, faces oh, yeah, dripping away. But that's a film that you know, we, we talk about localization and the differences between the way it's received in the East and the West. That's one where it's in Japan, their testicles I find that very interesting in the West, in the West their raccoon pouches. I mean, I've seen a lot of films where if you see them with a kind of an indigenous audience, there's an entirely different reaction in the cinema to what they would get mm-hmm. when they're shown to a kind of Western audience. Um, but have you seen, what's that very early series involved in about the, the girl who's adopted by a panda or something? The panda go panda. Panda go panda. Oh, Do you remember we used to watch that all the time? Yeah, panda love... go panda go panda. Oh, I always had that stuck in my head and I'm like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I should point out that I sang or I attempted to sing the begin the uh, theme from Totoro to the Empress of Japan. Oh my God. I don't why, know if you care to hear this small Please tell us. Quite embarrassing. <laughs> I was invited by the Japanese embassy. I've been there a few times because they know I'm very pro-Japan mm-hmm. and also and I did some charity work after the tsunami a while back. And um, they invited me along. There was one time when the Emperor and the Empress were coming. I thought, oh, this will be amazing. So I went there and Jane couldn't make it that day. So I was there alone. Oh my God. And um, of course, they're very, 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 very old people. Oh, very lovely people. So we're waiting, in, and there's a lot of protocol, as you can imagine. So we're waiting in the main hall for them coming. They finally come in, and you have to stand and wait until they've walked and sat down. But it, this was a long walk. I'm telling you, that walk took about an hour and a half. We were standing there while the <laughs> two of the oldest people in the world, very slowly and regally, walked by my going, oh, oh, oh. And there were many times I thought, they're not going to make it. <laughs> they finally got there, and they sat down, and there was an address, and we all said how happy to be there. And then they, they took a select few to say hello to them, including me. And I went up, and I didn't really know what to say to the Empress. And, they, and the translator said, oh, this brother, blah, 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 whatever. He's done this, and he's done this, and he's very... I went, oh, thank you. And then she said, oh, anime. The woman said someone. I went, yes, I didn't know what to say. And I went, Totoro, Totoro. <laughs> Oh, my God, what's Totoro, wrong with you? Totoro, Totoro. Oh and she looked <laughs> surprised, a little bit disappointed, I'll be honest with you. And then she smiled, and they moved me on. So I never got to explain what I was doing. <laughs> That's... I'm actually haunted by that story. Yeah, yes, and me too. I've never been invited back. <laughs> <laughs> to Japan. <laughs> After that. Oh, crikey. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, honey, you're growing up in a family that where all this kind of cool pop culture stuff is going on, you have the access to go and see a film like Spirited Away. How do you rebel as a teenager there? Do you go off and listen to boring music and watch boring movies? Or I didn't rebel uh-huh. as a teenager. Like my my other like my no my brother didn't. My sister did. She was a nightmare as a teenager. Whereas I was like, I was like kiss ass. Like I love. I was teacher's pet. I was voted biggest teacher's pet in my school, uh-huh. and like. I'm my mum's best friend. So, like, I just was like, yeah, I just want to watch films with my mum and dad. And, like, and like, I I loved that. Like, I I was just, I realised that I was very lucky to have access to kind of very special things, like, like Ghibli. Like, Mm -hmm. I felt very lucky and just lapped it up. Yeah. But you had, I mean, the thing is, because it was stuff you enjoyed, it wasn't like we ever... Yeah, you never you know, forced... It was It was like... I mean, we did... It well, ignited, things, like, the passion, and then I was just like, this is were, what I care about. You were scarred by some experiences in your youth, which were almost <laughs> like us let, us getting you to watch The X-Files when you were way yeah, too young. that was true. And it was the episode with Tombs, Tombs. the guys who squeezes into air conditioning, mm-hmm. Vince, and you... I had to sleep in my brother's bed so, for two months. And while tidying <laughs> up this office, I found a note that Honey had written to her mum, in which she said, I promise I will never make Honey watch The X-Files again, and she made her mum sign it. As a kind of binding contract because she was so still have not watched the X-Files since and like couldn't stand yeah. the events for a very long time. So, so it wasn't all, we weren't all kind of like necessarily showing them the best things. But no, no, but I think it was good that like I kind of almost had like shock treatment when it came to mm. watching things where it was like, we're just going to show you everything and you can decide what you like. And, you, and like it helped me kind of refine my palette and mm-hmm. like figure out what I like. And also what I like is everything. Well, like, you know, I, we did shield you for something because you know, like we were saying before we started talking to the guys here, the, the Jane, honey's oh mum and mother, she doesn't like sad films. She doesn't like, so she wouldn't let them watch Edward Scissorhands. Until I was 13, I wasn't allowed to watch Edward Scissorhands. And that is why also I made sure you never saw Grave of the Fireflies. Yeah. Uh, which uh, I still indeed, haven't seen you know, to this Barefoot day. Barefoot Gang I kept from the kids as well, which is an amazing film, of course, mm-hmm. a very powerful film, but not one that you would sit down and watch no, no, comfortably no. or easily, you know, or, or for that kind of entertainment. Mm-hmm. It fascinates me. I think Martin Scorsese, when he had kids relatively recently, he almost curated an entire lifetime for them of at what points they'll see certain films. <laughs> they'll start wow. them out on Disney and Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton, and then they'll work up and they'll have a sort of understanding of film that transcends all boundaries and time. But Jonathan, with, with horror films, with all these things you're, 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 you're digesting yourself as a film fan and pop culture enthusiast, would you be measuring these out to the kids? Or? Well, to an extent. I mean, in my office at home, I've got a TV which moves out from the wall and behind it is a storage space. And in that storage space, it still is right now, I've got multiple copies of all the Ghibli movies, all the Ghibli mm. movies, because I would buy like 10 at a time. Mm. And then when friends had children or came around with children, I would say, uh, you know, and even recently, you know, because a lot of people aren't aware of or exposed to these films, I would say, how old are your kids? Okay, let me go and get a few movies for you. Mm. And then I would choose the movies. So obviously Mononoke, Mononoke you only give to older kids. Yeah. Uh, Naushka you only give to older kids. Ponyo is the entry point, really, from yeah. the features, mm-hmm. which, is, which is a movie which initially, I, on first viewing, I didn't enjoy it. And I mean, I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it. And yeah. now it's one of my favourites, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I love um, Ponyo. I love Ponyo. So um, once again, it might be because the first chance I got to see that was a dub version. Yeah. But um, so I have, a, and I have, still have, I have like about five or six copies of each in there. I mean, not Grave of Fireflies, but, you know, all the <laughs> other ones, you know. Um, and, and in particular, people who have all, and some people are now aware of Spirited Away, for example. How's Moving Castle, which is, which is right down on the list for me. It's not a... Not a high point. <laughs> yeah, it's not a great film. I mean, the ending suddenly. Okay, I'm going to hey. turn your back. Hey, oh. you don't want to be a broom anymore. Okay, yeah, boom. Like, oh, that was convenient. I'm so happy to hear yeah, this. Yeah. We're not but, the flame, <laughs> but the flame character, whatever the spark character's name, because that was the oh, yeah. one. He was oh. that was all hand animated by Miyazaki, I believe, and oh. that is beautiful. That I is. did also like. I think I liked Hal's Moving Castle for the wrong reason because I was like, he is fit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, Zaddy. He's the, he's the dream emo boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was like, this is why I like men who treat me like. 
Yeah. Well, that's why I like Ponyo as well because the weird undersea wizard with the per- dropped pearl earring. Yeah. That wasn't really my sexual awakening. He was, he was voiced in the dub. He was voiced by Liam Neeson, was, bizarrely, yeah. which of course we, we don't talk about as much anymore. Yeah. <laughs> he was such a Bowie character. He should have been he was, he yeah, voiced him, was just, I think. It's a, it is a beautiful film. Yeah. All the underwater sequences yeah. is just superb. But those films post-Spirited Away, which we're getting more release, you know, larger releases over here, that almost perfectly lines up with your phase as the, you know, the main BBC critic on telly. Oh yeah, I would and always I, review them. Yeah. I remember when I saw Spirited Away at the cinema in Manchester, one of the big quotes on the poster would be from you, and it felt like you were there championing these films. Coming from 20 years previous, where you'd have to seek these film, films out on Laserdisc or video, how did that change your appreciation of them at all? Um, being in that job didn't change my appreciation, but I felt relieved that there was someone, and it didn't have to be me, but I felt relieved, and it was lucky that it, I felt proud that it wasn't me, but I was relieved there was someone who was open to those kind of movies, because even though I loved watching my predecessor on the film show at the BBC, I often violently disagreed with what he said about mm-hmm. films. I remember being a kid, I think I was, I was either 16 or 17, when Eraserhead was released by David Lynch, and he gave it a scathing review. Mm. And I'd gone to see that at the Scala Cinema, which was one of the few kind of rep cinemas in London, back at his old address in Charlotte Street. And I just remember thinking, wow, this is one of the most powerful experiences I've ever had in the cinema. And then to see someone who you respected, who seemed very much an establishing figure, and that's why it made sense, saying this is just meaningless nonsense, which of course is something that Lynch has suffered with throughout his career. I remember when even Mulholland Drive came out, he got a scathing review in the Times. You think, you just didn't understand it. That's the problem. Um, So I was pleased to be in the position where I think I could say, okay, and and I, I think for a while maybe I was a bit hard on some films, not not the kind I love, but other ones. And then you be, you be, you you develop into being a little more circumspect, and you realise that just because a film doesn't necessarily work for you doesn't mean it's not worth seeing. You know, it's it, it could be for someone else. Um, but I did want to champion. I mean, Asian cinema has always been a passion of mine. You know. Um, at the moment, Korean more than Japanese. I'm not that excited by most Japanese cinema, Korean cinema, and some Hong Kong cinema mm. is still exciting to me. Um, but I remember championing uh, In the Mood for Love, for example, the Wong Gar Wai movie, and, and several people saying to me, I would not have seen that film. And, she said, and that was the advantage of having a mainstream platform like the BBC One film show to talk about films which might otherwise... And I remember in the very first show we had, uh, it was the Todd Solins movie, Happiness. Oh, my God which is obviously a difficult watch in some ways, but an incredible movie. Mm-hmm. And I gave it a wave review and someone phoned me the other day and said, yeah, you know what, it's, it's a different show now. And, <laughs> and I was pleased, and it should be a different show, and it should change. It's a shame that that show doesn't exist anymore. Uh, it's a great shame, but, um, but there you go. At least I didn't kill it. But, it, but it, it did line up with that whole Tartan Asia Extreme yeah. era as well. You, you, you know, Amish. Exactly. <laughs> Some incredible films. You know, we recently just had this re-release of Ring. But where do you see? So you say you 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 skew more towards Korean cinema now. What are these? Well, I'm I'm now? starting watching Korean TV now. Right. Is what's so really... on Netflix? Yeah, on Netflix. Up now? Yeah, yeah. Um, but still, you'll see you know wonderful films. I mean, I, I'm not that au fait with the directors as such, but um, certainly, you know, I do look out for new anime. I mean, I watched. It wasn't very good. I watched a film two nights ago. Um, it was uh, I think it was Takashi Mika. Uh-huh. Uh, it was Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, so it was the live-action yeah. version mm-hmm. of the incredible anime. Mm-hmm. And I love the anime. The anime is so peculiar. So so, mm-hmm. Yeah, but the film's not great. He's doing that now. He did a live-action Phoenix Wright film, like the, the Nintendo no. DS game. I mean, yeah. I li- I'd like to see that. I object! <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. No, it's objection! Objection! You guys played that all the time, I didn't you? I love Phoenix Wright. Well, I'm looking for the Animal Crossing game. That's what oh I want, the, the Animal Crossing film. That's just my life. Um, but I do like, I mean, Stephen Chow, I look out for his Hong Kong mm-hmm. movies and some of the action films that come out of those parts of the world. And I saw a Korean movie, I didn't get the director's name, about a kind of a lucky, a man who just had great luck for a day. Right. Did you see that? No, I think no. it was just called Lucky Man. <laughs> Oh, lucky but it, man. But I was, love Lucky Man. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. It was fun. I watched it, you know. And I'll watch, like, you know, I'll. I'll just... Train to Busan. Train to Busan. Oh, Train to Busan. the best film. Yeah. Have you seen the, the prequel? No. no yeah, I'm really Shell Station. Yeah, yeah. Shell Station is great. Mm-hmm. I, it was very hard to find. I don't know if you've seen that, but I, I found it. You didn't tell me you found it. Well, because I didn't want you to watch it because mm-hmm. it's too scary. Liar. No, I, I, I did tell you I found it, but you guys, um, I mean, we love Train to Busan. Oh, we love Train to Busan. Shell Station. Apparently, they're making a sequel. I'm looking forward to it. And, and an American remake. Oh, yeah. But you know what? I don't mind remakes because if, if it's good, it's good. And if it's not, you don't have to go and see it. You know, and you've still got the original. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, or you can just go see it and hate watch it. And I like the fact that the people who made the original, even if it's just the studio, will benefit financially from that and therefore maybe make more films mm-hmm. which are original before they are well, that, That's again. what happened with Ghost in the Shell, the American remake. They went uh, over to Japan and everyone's like, yeah, more money for us. I mean, I'm just going to now rescind what I said about I don't mind remakes because Ghost in the Shell, I hate I, I, I mean, love talk the original. about whitewashing. I mean, <laughs> 
And is that, um, what's the name of the guy? Is that Mamoru? Uh, yes, yeah. Right, okay, because I, I, yeah. I went to he- see him. Yeah. Somewhere in here I've got a poster, a Ghost in the Shell poster signed to me from him. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where it's gone, but... Um, you should get ScarJo to sign it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in Japanese, hopefully. Um, but no, that, that was an amazing film. Ghost mm-hmm. in the Shell 1. Not Ghost in the Shell 2, though. Mm-hmm. Strangely unsatisfying, mm-hmm. you know. But still, his work is, is pretty incredible. And as an artist, he's brilliant. But to go back to Ghibli, I tell you what I think is very uh, is is possibly relevant here is the the fact that clearly Miyazaki wanted to make animated movies, mm. didn't want to make live action films, mm-hmm. and he is obviously a, a you know a, an artist of the highest caliber. You know he's a, a you know a genius, and the fact that he didn't see that as a stepping stone to something else, which I think is more common in the West, is that people yeah. think great, I'll direct it, and, and it's changing now with films like mm-hmm. the Spider-Verse and the Lego movies, it's changing. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. it's not seen as the route to get to where you want to go, but it's seen as a destination. Good, I'm a director of animated features. I work yeah, on animated well, features. I think we've, we've seen that with Wes Anderson. Um, like, oh, he's in the other gra- direction. Like, yeah, yeah, he has yeah, gone totally. from that live action. And he's, he's so known for this idea of like building yeah. a totally constructed set that ultimately the destination for him... Although I don't like any of his animated films. Oh, no, really? Isle of Dogs. I found Isle of Dogs borderline racist. <laughs> okay. To be frank. Frank, yeah, and not as bad as Lost in Translation, but I didn't enjoy it for that reason. Uh-huh. I just think, and I think that's a very blatant case of cultural appropriation. You uh-huh. want to tell that story? Don't say it in Japan. You're not Japanese, you know. Okay. Don't try and do it from that point of view and deal with the kind of cultural mores of that grouping there. But I did love uh, what was the one by the guys who did South Park, um, the American one. Oh, oh the, Team, Team America! America. Yeah. Team America, yeah. amazing <laughs> film. But Hasn't aged as well as you want it to. But, but, see, but previously, see, the, maybe this young generation are prepared to embrace animation, whether mm-hmm. it be stop motion or traditional cell or computer generated in the way they weren't. Because earlier when we were talking a little bit about Thunderbirds, because I've got mm-hmm. a, a model here in, in my office, and um, uh, Jerry Anderson, who I met very briefly a couple of times, in life, he always felt incredibly hampered and frustrated by the fact that people would only back his, his stop-motion stuff. His dream was to work in live action. His mm. dream was to do that. And That's then he so saw that as a way, and it is heartbreaking, especially as he created some of the greatest examples of storytelling in that form. But he was frustrated and hampered. Um, and I think, I like to think if he was doing it now, he'd realised that what he was doing had equal worth and was just as powerful and would yeah. last for just as long. And hopefully the new generation are doing that. And so I'm hoping that we will find more voices who who see them, their home, their whole career as being an animation, and then we will see them develop as artists in the way we've seen Miyazaki. Mm-hmm. And we won't see people who do one or two good things, but then move on. You know, and I think that is probably part of the problem. It's weird, isn't it, with some of those Hollywood filmmakers... Uh, yeah, I mean, I just watched Bumblebee. Yeah, Travis right. Knight, yeah. who did uh, Kubo and the Two Strings, and he, he founded Leica Studios, the yeah. stop-motion animation I studio. I love Kubo. Yeah. Kubo is beautiful. But Bumblebee was pretty good. Bumblebee is good, yeah. yeah. Is that the Transformer movie? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's fine. It's better than all the other Transformers movies. Is that really? saying much? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is that not the very example of damning with faint praise? <laughs> Could you not call it My Neighbor Transformer? <laughs> he, he's got that, he's a Totoro, like, Paddington-like Transformer. Yeah, yes. but I mean, wow. Brad Bird's another example, of course, because he went from doing uh, Incredibles and various mm-hmm. other things and now he's doing live action, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a shame because he really seemed to know how to make that form work and how to... Oh. And The Iron Giant is an all-time oh, amazing, amazing. Yeah. amazing. That's one of the few, I think, um, American animated films that have that emotional wisdom that Ghibli does. And they tried for a while to make them for a slightly different audience than just a kind of like huge family audience in which everyone from the age of four up would get. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, what was that? There was, um, oh, I'm trying to forget the name of it now. Trying to remember, that. there was that Treasure Planet thing that Disney did that was pretty oh, abominable. Yeah. But there was I kind also of love Treasure Planet. <laughs> there was a cover. I mean, yeah, you did, but then you love you loved Mulan. I love Mulan. Yeah, so... I think it's a masterpiece. I won't hear anything <laughs> against it. You, but you watched it too many times. I did, yeah, because it bangs. <laughs> you watched it every night for about two years. That was after you showed me X-Files, so that's your fault. I didn't show you X-Files, blame <laughs> that was trying to. That was a palate cleanser after X-Files. Well, we need to take a break now for some family healing. <laughs> uh, we'll pick up with you guys on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did say, to wrap up, so you can go and have your family healing, We are, our not-so-secret aim is to go to Japan. Neither of us have. Many of our friends and colleagues have, and we're very jealous. As people who have been there, what do we need to do? 
Ghibli, Ghibli related or not? Well, Ghibli you need to do, of course. It depends what you like doing. I mean, we love escape rooms and we also love theme parks. So I would recommend you go to Segopolis, which is the sort of Sega theme theme park oh, down in Portobello. Amazing. So it's like an indoor theme park, and they've got a kind of they've got a skateboarding, a skateboarding thing, where you, like indoor ride, where you're like, I'm gonna die. You your feet they just strap your feet you do, in. You go up and you Only do your tricks. Feet. You try and do trick moves. You go up like <laughs> kind of You go up like really high, like you 15 a, feet into the oh, air. Oh, I'd say you go up about 30 feet. I mean, it's, it's a really, high. And wide. only your legs are strapped in, and you're like having to. And, it, and there's a game. It's on a There's no translation, and 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 people are going like, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. And I'm like, I don't know. Well, you stamp when you hit to the top to try and do a, a stunt move. The, you stamp on the board. You've thing. got one foot tethered and one foot sort of free. It's very odd. It's really stressful. One thing we did when we went to Japan, which I'll never forget, is somehow ended up on, I think it might have been a reality TV show, but it was, do you remember X-Men Dash? Oh yes, X-Men Dash. X-Men Dash, we saw this thing, we were like, that looks like amazing. It was, it was like a, a big, like a pop-up assault course. And like, there was like crowds around it. And we were like, oh, go on, we've got to, we've got to do X-Men Dash. That yeah. looks amazing. All did it. None of us have any physical fitness. Why well, you say that? <laughs> um, <laughs> and you and mum particularly didn't rise the challenge. Yeah. And <laughs> people were like, Heckling mum. Well, Jane so Jane Goldman, now one of the most esteemed and sought after screenwriters of the world, got stuck at one stage in it, and I think her pants <laughs> partly fell down. Now. And a lot of Japanese families were delighted to be standing there taking ph photographs of this. And she was yeah. going, "I can't get out," and they were laughing, and we were laughing as well, of course, which just wasn't didn't help matters. <laughs> and it was because there was a big timer, and everybody's like waiting for you oh. to get out, and a huge queue, and we, we knew we, didn't we were holding the top up. 10, yeah. Did we at the time. So do X Men Dash. And there's, a, there's a cute, there's a really beautiful. Um, well, I mean. Theme park wise, Fuji Q, which is at the foot of Mount Fuji, is wonderful. Uh, we all went there, but I was the only one who went through. There's a we love haunted kind of houses, we love haunted, and haunted attractions, and there, there's a haunted hospital there, which is the size of an actual hospital. They built it. It's over two floors, and it has an exterior ambulance parking bay as well. And you walk through very, very low level flickering light, and you are just kind of accosted by zombies. It takes you 45 minutes to go through the place. It's terrifying. I refuse to do so it. So that's amazing. That's amazing. Oh, What's the one? Nagajima is it Spa, no, Nagashima Spa Land. Na Nagajima Spa Land is a kind of tourist destination, mainly only the only Japanese families go to. I think we were the only Westerners in there. People we, were we just kinda, staring at us. They were like, amazed how, we were there. Why are you here? And it was. It's got a theme it's park like next to a kind of giant onsen hotel, and they have a big market in the reception area on like Friday and Saturday night, selling like fish and goods. It's really amazing. It's That's really good. cool. What, is it Hanayashiki? Hanayashiki. Hanashiki, yeah. Hanashiki is, I believe, the oldest theme park in Tokyo. And it's a tiny, quaint little one with some really fun rides in, and that's well worth going to. I love to. you really get a sense of, like, our mental we sense. Don't that we're like, yeah. we only go theme to park. theme parks. We don't we go, go to temples. Park. We go to restaurants <laughs> and theme parks. And, and there's also, the, if you like room escapes, you know, escape room yeah, type. Yeah, yeah. There's a few in Japan, but there's one which was amazing. This is the trip you didn't come, I you didn't come to that room. No. Um and of course, it's 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 not in English. It's only in Japanese. It's but you can you can do it without that. And you're basically they've got a whole. I think it's a three floor house inhabited by a ghost. And there is an actual ghost, thing, and you have to there try and escape from the ghost. room. And like every ten minutes or so, there's a, a bell sounds, and you have to find a spot with a prayer to hide, or she will be discovered by the ghost and taken away. And, and you that, and, and Harvey it's all threw in mum under the bus. We did not hid, throw mum hidden like really good cupboards, so she got, had to hide under the table. It's like it's like. It's like um, musical chairs. You've, you're near a chair, you're going to sit on it. We were near a prayer. We grabbed that prayer. She couldn't find a prayer. Uh, and the ghost Your took her. Wife. Fine. Well, yeah, you can't find a prayer. Tough. That's, that's <laughs> life in the haunted house. But that was great fun as well. But I mean, essentially, and there are a number of people you can speak to who actually do sort of like help you bespoke tours. But I think if you just sniff around and, and, and find out what. I think the best thing going. to do is like go to um, go to like a proper onsen or like. Uh -huh. um, well, like that themed onsen. Or like a Ryokan. Do a Ryokan. Yeah, that's can. the best okay. experience. And also, if you get the chance, try not to just do Tokyo because um, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of the city we went to. Kyoto. Kyoto mm -hmm. is one of the most beautiful cities on, on earth. I mean, it's. And also, go in autumn gorgeous. when the trees are like. That's what we're thinking. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you've got to go. go. Yeah, yeah. You've it's, got to do it. Well, locals call it leaf peeping. <laughs> it's called uh, yeah yeah it's called it's like oh, I'm that trying to remember the like Japanese it it's something like Hanagaru or something like that and it means leaf peeping which means you do a tourist visit to just go and watch the leaves changing colour we peep but those it does leaves. mean <laughs> it does mean it's harder to get hotels because leaf peeping is a major attraction so at prime leaf peeping time in leaf peeping season mm -hmm. you might have trouble getting into a, a hotel okay maybe let the leaves so fall early. off just to get a, a yeah. bit more budget flight catch the, the tail end of the people. Yeah. Well, you'll have a great time. It's a wonderful country. Amazing people and also the food is no the, such thing oh as a bad meal. We all came back like two sizes bigger mm -hmm. and I have no regrets about that. Nor me. 
oh wow, I can't wait for this trip already. <laughs> yeah, this is the, you're the first people we've asked for recommendations. Thank <laughs> you. Try, so try and eat some blowfish while you're there as well. It's kind of illegal in some places, but I had a <laughs> I had a blowfish feast feast. I'll say that again. I had a blowfish feast. It's called fuhu, I think blowfish, which is you know it's got toxicity in uh, the animal, uh, yeah, which yeah, makes yeah. your li lips go numb. So you have to have a chef know what you're doing, or you can die. It's in the Japanese constitution. The emperor's not allowed to eat fuhu. <laughs> Although he does secretly sneak out to this restaurant, I believe. Well, I, I rewatched that, that Simpsons episode so much on a tape. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had it was something like a twelve course meal, and every course but one had blowfish in. So it was like blowfish risotto, blowfish bones in soup, blowfish meat, blowfish <laughs> sushi. And at the very end, I thought, well, I've survived the meal. And he said, ah, oh, dessert, special dessert. And I think, thank f for that. I've I've worked for this. You know what the dessert was? Blowfish ice cream. No, a strawberry. One strawberry. <laughs> I mean, it was quite a large strawberry, but don't build it up and then just bring out a strawberry. I mean, after the amount of skill he'd shown in filleting a blowfish, you'd have thought he'd have had some skill in the pastry department, but no, just a strawberry on a plate. <laughs> so we, we, just before we sign off, if you're going to recommend one Ghibli film to our listeners, maybe they've already seen them, but what would you recommend a beginner to listen to watch? A beginner? If it's your first, mm -hmm. I would say Spirited Away or My Neighbor Totoro mm -hmm. because I think you can't go wrong with either of those. I mean, my favourites, if you, the thing is, it depends because I always recommend based on age, based oh, on yeah. what films they think mm -hmm. they want. <laughs> you know, so young kids, you'd give Ponyo first, I guess, or Totoro. Mm -hmm. They're the two entry level for younger kids. Spirited Away, I think, is probably the masterpiece, although many of them, but I do think that's, I think it's, it's in my top 10 list of greatest mm -hmm. films ever made. Uh, and we watch it often. I remember when you were ill, once you came over the house, and I said, Shall we watch Spirited Away? Yeah. And we just snuggled on the bed and watched Spirited Away. It so it's, me a, it's a real boost whenever you, and whenever it's on, I find myself watching it. So I just adore it. But I also love even stuff like Castle of Cagliostro. Yeah. I love that. And the, the Steven Spielberg once said that he thinks that film contains the greatest car chase in cinema. Yeah. Which it is pretty amazing. That's a looping film, isn't it? It's it's a looping film. Looping There's an interesting bit of trivia there. That the, the, the video game based on that film is in the Goonies. Oh. The arcade cabinet is in the wow. background wow. of one scene. That. So that's almost so cool. the Spielberg connection there. Um, so I love that film. But I also, I really love um, Castle in the Sky. I love Castle in the Sky. And that's underrated. And I love Nashka. And Nashka, I think, is the most massively underrated of all yeah. of uh, the Ghibli films. And very, very seen. But it's such a complex such a sophisticated, such an adult story told for younger people. Mm. And the animation is exquisite. I have the, uh, somewhere I've got the manga of that as well, yeah. which I think, because I think Miyazaki himself illustrated it. Yeah, for Just years. Beautiful Volumes work. and volumes of the beautiful, stuff. Beautiful, beautiful work. See, this is very exciting, because we think, because we're 13 films in now, we've done many of the big hitters, especially their more recent films, Howl's and Ponyo and so on. We've got Cast in the Sky yeah, and so Now She Gets to Come. So, yeah. well, Cast in the Sky is amazing. Yeah. And Lapusha is amazing as well, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's um, a lot of that early stuff we haven't got to yet. But Future Boy Conan, I'm really fond of. Yeah. Future Boy Conan, and it's very, I've got it on, I think it's called VCD. Yeah. I had to find it on. I couldn't find it on DVD or anything. Well, so, so can, for beginners, you're recommending watch the entire catalogue. <laughs> yeah, watch yeah. the entire no, canon. For beginners, watch <laughs> X Files. And if you're not a chicken, <laughs> if you're not a baby, then wow. maybe you can watch something else. Wow. Well, you have to pay for the therapy bill so not my problem <laughs> baby there it is folks the, the recommendation from the bibliotech is the x-files <laughs> particularly the tombs episode yes yeah. Yeah. <laughs> great, great family drama <laughs> oh well honey and jonathan thank you so yeah. much for all those recommendations and, and anecdotes and stories for us yeah. today so if you want to find more of your stuff online where can people find you if they need to find you uh, I mean, I'm hard to avoid, so that. But but Honey's just about to start a podcast with a friend, aren't you? Oh. Yeah, I'm. Uh, you can find me um, at Honey Kinney on Instagram or at Pink Protest, which is a activist collective mm -hmm. I am a co-founder of, and we are starting a podcast called The Body Protest, brilliant, uh, which is about body image, yeah. and it's with me and a body image researcher called Nadia Craddock, who is much smarter than me. And, uh, I mean, we'd like to plug the short film you produced as well. Yeah. Because oh, we're big do. fans yeah. of Right Place, Wrong Tim. Thank you very much. Which you can find on Vimeo. Yeah, on the, yeah, on, uh, the Channel 4 Random Acts YouTube Vimeo. Uh, make sure you go and check that one out. It is quite a fantastic film. It's well, a bloodbath. And he's making a new one, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Mm. We are working on our next one, so very exciting. And Jonathan, you're, you're tweeting at Wassy as always. So I'm at Wassy. I'm on Instagram as what am I? Am I? You're me Wassy. I'm on me Wassy, but it's mainly pictures that only old men of my age would like. See, it's only if you like the, oh, see no. the office we're in now, which is an amazing <laughs> place. 
I just put some pictures of my new 8-track player. Uh, Most young people don't even know what an 8-track is, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I've, I've seen one or two. Vague an idea, yeah. 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 So I like old vinyl, I like old record players, I like old television sets, I like building model kits. I'm so I like your Instagram so much, sometimes I call it deliciously wassy because he posts photos of his smoothies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I realise so when funny. I haven't posted for a while, I go, I better post. I think, what's nearby? Ah, my plate. And that's it. <laughs> you know, I don't put a lot of work in, in curating it. <laughs> He's no Kylie Jenner. Ah, well, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having us. Uh, Jake, you and I will be back shortly with a full series of single yes. film episodes. But until then, you can follow Jake on Twitter at Jake H. Cunningham. And you can follow Michael at Michael J. Leader. Ghibliotech is a Little Dot Studios production. Our music is made by Anthony Ng, our artwork is by Sophie Moe, and Lister Russell makes us sound good. The show is produced by Michael Leader, Jake Cunningham, Harold McShill and Steph Watts. That's me. Okay, so um, just to say farewell, I dug out of my office here some of the things that Honey and I bought back from the Ghibli shop outside the museum. Mm -hmm. So we've got in front of us here, we've got Castle in the Sky, we've got Kiki's Delivery Service, or Home Delivery Service, is it? I'm not sure what the full translation is. We've got Lapusha there as well. And we've got, of course, everyone's favourite. I'm going to play this one for you. I'm going to wind this up. And it's a little blue Totoro and the little white Totoro being chased by May. And here we go. Have a listen to this. One time. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.